morning, everybody. Pew, pew. Pew, pew. It's Friday. It's, uh, it's Friday. It's Friday. Friday. And we got to thank our sponsors, as always. So thanks to <laughs> SK Coffee. Woo! Thanks to Oleo. <laughs> thanks to Electro Voice. We always appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. All right. And with, without further ado, we'll jump right into it. So there's like a ton of things to talk about this week. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. I just on. nailed my elbow on the chair. Yeah. Uh, one of our recurring <sighs> segments that we have here that we're not very proud of, but we do it anyway, is the Perv Chronicles. Yes. And it's back. Yeah, it is with a fury. With a fury. Because we have a new Michael Jackson documentary out and we have new news on R. Kelly. He's going to jail, right? Yes, he is. But, but you know, like, sign of the times, he's going to jail for evading $161,000 in child support. Not for, not for being statutory rape. Yeah. And, like, a ton of other things, probably. That's so weird. They could indict him for. But it's so weird because, like, people have known about statute this. Statute of limitations and stuff. Yeah, people have known about this guy's, like, we talked about, like, a month or two ago about mm-hmm. this. And people have known about... Him being a perv since like well, the people 90s. have been joking about it forever. Right? Yeah, there's so many rap songs that reference him peeing on people and I mean, <laughs> really in his songs, his references in his songs. Oh, in other people's no, songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I mean, like it's been made a mockery of. Right, right, and the fact that he's still like out there. No, it's crazy. Honestly, I can't believe that he's still like was well was still a respected pseudo respected member and still played out. Artist. Yeah, but recently, all of a sudden, this uh, this documentary comes out, and now people don't want to work with him. But they've known about this. That's the the irony is like people have known about this. Why don't they? Why did they still want to work with him until this came out? Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people that knew him and already were working with him were probably in denial. Yeah. Over how bad it really was, but I mean, we talked about this before. He he married Aaliyah when she was 15. Like, right. That's disgusting. I know. And then uh, you were saying they got yeah. it annulled. I heard they got annulled. One of my coworkers was telling me that they, the marriage was annulled because her mom stepped in and was like, wait, wait, wait. She's only 15. There's no, like, she's not even legal age of consent. You can't do this. But anyway, yeah. yeah. So he's going to jail, but for. Yeah, for not paying, not child, paying child support. support instead so, of for being, a, you know, grade A creep. I'm enjoying all the memes mocking him and him crying in that interview. Yeah. Good. Cry, little boy. Cry, little boy. And then speaking of little boys, Michael Jackson. Oh, boy. And (laughs) so this Michael Jackson documentary came out. And the weird thing is, is since this documentary came out on HBO, I've been hearing his music a lot more lately, just like on the radio. Maybe you're just like noticing it because of that. Maybe. It's going to be like called something like the something effect. Yeah, yeah, that could very well be. You know, when you start to notice something after you're, like, conscious of it? Yeah. It's got to be a thing. If you know what it is, comment on our SoundCloud. Yeah, yeah, comment. <laughs> I want to know what it is. At a loss for it right now. Yeah. But apparently, so this is a two-part documentary, and I guess it interviews two people who were abused by Michael Jackson when they were kids. And so each each part is a different interview for, like, this adult mm-hmm. man now. But... Back yeah, when we were children. it's disappointing because I had just gotten, I think, to a point in my life where I was convinced that he wasn't the creep I'd grown up thinking he was, and I could like guilt-free enjoy his music and like all of right. his artistry. And now this is all coming out again mm-hmm. after 
It's like 10 years of his death. Yeah. Um, and I've just recently heard people making claims that like nothing was ever found that was you right. know condemning for him. The worst thing they found in his house was heterosexual porn. Like Yeah, and a pretty basic one at that. Yeah, so it's just like I... I had acquitted him in my mind of everything, and now this is all. Apparently, you were saying people are saying it's so intense and bad that yeah. they can't, they could only watch the first part and had to take a break. Have to take so. like a break and and you know spread it out. Uh, one guy was talking to me the other day, and I didn't even know this was coming out because I don't get HBO anymore. Mm-hmm. But he started talking to me about it and was like, "Man, you know, growing it it makes me." like hate the fact that we were making those jokes when we were growing up. He's like, I wish we didn't. And I didn't know the subject of this documentary was against him. I thought it was like his life kind of like a, uh, you know, biography. Okay, so you were thinking also was, like he was saying, we wish we weren't so mean to him. Yeah. But now yeah. he's talking about the victims. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I realized what it was and I was like, oh, okay. So it's like that bad. Like yeah. you, you regret making jokes just because of the sake of the victims. So it must be pretty intense. I'm I'm gonna have to watch it. I know we have to watch it just for sake of like hearing all sides of it. It it sounds pretty epic. Like I mean, everybody's yeah. talking. If about you want to watch this stuff, guys, R. Kelly, the R. Kelly doc, surviving R. Kelly is what it's called. Ugh. <laughs> uh, it's a six part and it's on Lifetime. It's available on Amazon Prime if you have an account. Okay. And then the Michael Jackson doc is available on HBO. So go watch them if you want to. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I want to, but I'm going to. On a, a brighter brighter side of things, I'm going to get an HBO subscription because Game of Thrones is yes. coming out next month. So oh I'm really God. stoked about that. It's so exciting. The preview's out there. The trailer for the season's out there. So if you guys haven't seen that yet, you can go peep it. Yeah. It yeah. didn't seem... The trailer wasn't too exciting It's not too revealing, to no. It wasn't at all, but um, it just like made me stoked that it's coming next month. You know, like there's yep. like new content, but yeah. from old content. <laughs> new but, old show to watch. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Well, I mean like that's just what the trailer sort of was like to me. Um, right. But whatever. whatever. Anyway, I just found this thing yesterday on Instagram that was being advertised to me called framed tweets. And you can basically pay $65 to order a framed tweet. And they're like framed in these like, I don't know, what are those called? Ornates. They're like framed in these like gold ornates and, they have tweets from Trump and okay. Elon Musk and Kanye. Okay. And you can get any tweet custom framed, though. Anyway, cool. there was this hilarious tweet from Elon Musk. And I cannot <laughs> believe he actually tweeted this once, but it says, like, straight girls can make out with a, another girl at a party and doesn't make them gay, but you fuck a horse once and you're a horse fucker for life. <laughs> what? <laughs> Seriously. Wow, classic And you Elon. can go buy that framed tweet for $65 with free shipping. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> and wow, that just like brings me back Speaking to what we were talking about. Dogs. Elon Musk and dogs. And Elon Musk. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. Very nice. Tesla has a new dog mode in their cars yes. where you can turn that on and on the screen on the center console... It displays the temperature inside the car. It has a message on as well that says the car is on and that the owner will be back soon. So if you're looking in the window and you're like, oh, my God, this dog is in this very quiet car. I'm not even sure if it's running and the windows are all up. There's a message there that tells you to calm the fuck down and not break a window like a crazy person. Yeah. Don't break my Tesla, baby. Yeah. (laughs) But (laughs) anyway, that's pretty cool. Tesla, they're also on the verge of creating this like $35,000 car, electronic car. That's so uh, the affordability 
of future of the future is going to be in everybody's hands. You know, a $35,000 car is pretty affordable yeah, for yeah. a Tesla. Definitely. Right? We're going to see high school kids in Teslas. Dang. Ish. <laughs> They're about to tweet about it and get get a tweet framed about the new Tesla. <laughs> oh my God, that's ridiculous. Anyway, yeah, so. so what else? Dog that's, mode. Dog yeah, mode. That's cool. really cool, actually. Yeah. Something I would have never even thought about. We have some cool Taco Bell related facts this week. Yes. First of Speaking all. Speaking of things being trapped in their car. Yeah. Like not dogs. Now we're talking about humans being trapped in their car. Okay, let me just read this this trending headline from the Oregonian. Oregon man who survived snowbound off sauce packets for five days gets year of free Taco Bell. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, this guy got stuck in his car for five days in the snow in a Toyota 4Runner with his dog in Deschutes National Forest. If only they had dog mode. He wrote on Facebook after he was like rescued from this and said, Taco Bell fire sauce saves, saves lives. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Taco Bell was super impressed. They gave him a year of free Taco Bell, which is amazing. And where he can now try what I wanted to give a PSA for everybody, because for some reason people like to know that fast food has some weird new shit out. Yeah. Uh, Taco Bell has a rattlesnake burrito out. What is this rattlesnake burrito all about? I haven't tried it. I don't. Let me. I'm looking it up. It's got fries in it. Ooh. And it's got steak in it. And it's got jalapenos and queso and cheese. Sounds really good, actually. Yeah, it looks pretty ridiculous. So anyway. I might have to get that today. (laughs) I might have to get that. (laughs) See? Okay, I'm sorry that half of you are going to go to Taco Bell right now. Taco Bell. There you go. We should be sponsored by Taco Bell. Weird, ridiculous, fast food, bad for you food news. Oreo has been advertising the shit out of their new Oreo turntables. <laughs> this is like the on funniest. my Instagram. This might be the funniest thing of the week to me. Yeah. Besides that, people called the light rail the choo-choo train. <laughs> that was actually really funny. Like one of my <laughs> friends just casually referred to the light rail as the choo-choo train, and I lost my shit. And I still think it's hilarious. Yeah, Pat's still laughing about that one. Yeah, the Oreo turntables—they're like thirty bucks on Oreo's website, and what. It seems to me that what it is, is that they're just these two platters that spin and they play different stuff based on the weight of the cookie on them. So as you eat it, you can put it back on the turntable and it will play a new mix or whatever the hell. Hmm. I mean, I'm curious to see it in action. I was annoyed that all the advertisements I saw for them had no sound. Right. Just kind of like oxymoronic. Yeah. But you know what? Whatever. Um, if you buy an Oreo turntable, holla. <laughs> All right, anyway, should we go to album of the week? Uh, Yeah, I just want to talk about one thing first. There's some good news in Washington, D.C. happening. So everybody... What? Yeah, there's some good news, right? (laughs) Potentially good news. So in the past year with the FCC and net neutrality, and we all know how they gave favor to internet companies to be able to throttle your service based on what you're using, right? So... Now Congress has put together a bill called the Save the Internet Act, which will actually repeal all of that and keep the internet open for everybody. So that is in the works right now. So we'll be following that closely. And hopefully that passes Congress and then Senate and then all of the FCC stuff gets repealed. The FCC will let me be. Yeah. Me be me. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, all That's right. exciting. I was wondering what the hell was going on with that because it was such a big scare when 
you know, the bill passed. Yeah. And then it just like, we never heard about it again. Right. Uh, so it's being, it's, it's in the process of maybe being repealed, but we'll, we'll follow that. So hopefully it passes Congress and then into the Senate and gets signed in. We shall see. Yeah. Okay. Well, Joel just walked in, so yeah, take it away. Album of the week. Thanks buddy. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I have a pretty cool album of the week. Okay. I stumbled across this randomly because I was trying to rip an old uh, funk song that I heard on the radio, and I, I searched for it, and I, I found these albums that were released in 1992, these compilation albums called Star Funk. So go on Spotify and just Google, or not Google, go on Spotify and search. <laughs> go on Spotify and, and Google. Google. <laughs> <laughs> go on Spotify <laughs> And search for Star Funk compilations because oh, they're really cool. I can't with that right now. <laughs> Go on SoundCloud and Google, Google. my name. <laughs> yeah. No, go Holy on. Holy shit! Go on good. Spotify and search for Star Funk. All these compilations are really cool. There's all these really goofy, like one-off funk artists, but hmm. all the songs are really dope. So check it out. And well, there's like 15 albums worth of there of material there. So check it out. Take that with a grain of salt, everyone. Pat likes some cheesy shit sometimes. This is true. But <laughs> no, I'm that's sure it's dope. Going, that's I'm what I'm going with. I'm sure there's some good samples in there, yeah? Big time. Yeah. Cool. My album of the week is This Time by Donna Missall. I'm obsessed with this chick. Uh, I went to see her in October at the Amsterdam in St. Paul. And I had... I don't even know how I... Oh, I stumbled across her because K-Flay had posted a picture with her and announced or said something like congratulations to one of my best friends on your album. It's amazing, whatever. So I went to this, I went to Donna Missal's Instagram to go see who she was and checked out one of her music videos and became like immediately obsessed. And she's touring that album right now and a couple new singles. And I was really sad because she came through here in February and she or she came, she decided to tour again in February and she didn't come through Minneapolis and I was super bummed. I just realized though that I get to see her tomorrow, which will be last Wednesday to y'all, when I'm in Austin for South by Southwest. She plays right down the street from me a couple hours after my sound check. So I'm super excited, but you should go listen to Donna Missal. She's amazing. Uh, thrills, Girl, Keep Lying. Those are probably my favorite songs that she has out right now. They're all on this time. You should go check it out. Cool. I will. She's an amazing vocalist. It's super, super good stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm behind on it. I've listened to a few of her tracks and they're really good, but I need to do She's dig, got dig such in. an amazing voice. I think she's like for real one of the next big things. So cool. Keep those eyes out, people. Go listen to Donna Missal. So speaking of dope music, we have a really cool guest with this week. He's a vocalist and piano player. I mean, he's a multi-hyphenate, really. He plays tons of different instruments and has a crazy background in music, probably a more extensive and like traditional classical background than anybody that we've ever had on the podcast. Pretty hardcore. Yeah, you'll you'll hear his story pretty soon, but from from an early age, he was pretty hardcore into it. Yeah, and we're excited. He's our first podcast guest with an accent. Yes. He's from the UK. He's a super blast to talk to. So I hope you guys enjoy. 
Our first guest tonight is... Introducing special guests. Let's do this. You're listening to Green Room Podcast. Hey, this is Jack London, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast. It's like you're tuned into my frequency. so much for hanging out with us jack we're super stoked to have you all the way from boulder colorado but like for real where are you from originally uh from london as the name subtly indicates and we were just talking about um something that's appalling me right now you've never shotgunned a beer okay yeah you have an equivalent to something like that in the uk yeah i i mean it's like kind of an equivalent it's called a straw pedo so you know bendy straw which i know is very not cool anymore plastic straws boo but it's kind of like a thing where you you put the straw in, you bend it around the bottleneck so it's up like a snorkel. Yeah. So that it's facing when you have the bottle upside down, it's facing upwards. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's like a bottle bong. Right. Yeah. So it allows the uh, allows the air to escape really fast. So it's basically you can tip it out, and there's no bubbles stopping it coming out slowly. So you can essentially put one out one of those bottles of beer in a second. That sounds pretty yeah. sweet. It's honestly. aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Trust I've seen that before. To come up the with Strapedo. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, uh, have you done a beer bong though? No, 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 no beer bongs for you either. Wow, oh, shit. I think beer bongs are like I go like through intermittent phases where it's like my favorite thing at the time, and I know that sounds like very, very classy, and it is. But no, for real, I just really like the fact that it takes me one second to drink a whole gross beer. Mm-hmm. If I'm like, if I'm destined to have to drink like Bush Light at a festival because Oof. that's all on the festival rider that there is, oh, you gotta chug it. a yeah. beer bong is so key because I can just down like three or four of them really quick and it tastes like I just had one beer. And right. still not feel anything. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, you feel full. You feel really full. Yeah, <laughs> I had to do that actually at a festival once when I was sick. I was I felt so sick I didn't want to play my set and I thought the only solution to this is if I could get drunk. Right. But the, the thought of drinking was also like made me 
feel really sick. Mm -hmm. So I was like, if I just can drink like a bunch of beer bongs in a row really quick and just get drunk like really quick, then I could get on stage probably and be fine. Well, and I did it. And did it. Well, <laughs> do you remember when we first started playing together, Megan? That and, was it. That and was at Infrasound. Oh, it was at Infrasound. But do you remember when we had the flabongo for a while? Oh, yeah. That was sick. We too. had a uh, plastic flamingo that we had like popped shout a hole. Shout out to Wicket. Yeah, shout out to Wicket. <laughs> but we popped a hole in one end and then the other end. So it had like that airflow, like your uh, straw pedo. Right. And we were just, uh, we would fill up the flamingo with beer. Yeah. And just beer bong it out of the flamingo. So flabongo. anyway, Jack, the moral <laughs> of this story is how much classier you are than us. Anyway, yeah. it's awesome to have you on the show for real. Uh, Jack is on, for people that don't know, Jack is on the same roster as me. We're both fortunate enough to be working with Pivotal, with Cole and Koshi and Cole and everybody at Pivotal Agency. And Jack makes some super groovy ass music. If so, if you haven't heard of Jack Lennon, go check it out. But do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got started? Uh, well, in like a meta sense at the very beginning of my life or in terms of like electronic <laughs> maybe both how do you however you want however you want to start <laughs> uh well no I, I got like piano lessons when I was about seven years old I think it was I, I given to me as a gift from my grandma so I obviously resented that at the time but <laughs> I was just gonna ask that were you happy about that at the time no no it sucked I was very disappointed the, um, and the lessons were like you know not exactly inspiring it was with like this very old lady Mrs. Slater I remember her mm-hmm. and she, she, yeah, it just wasn't very nice Mrs. but Slater. it's yes and it was like obviously very formative because it just got me into, we always had a piano in my house and they were always playing classical music and jazz so they like it's natural progression to play with, you know, we had two in the dining room, like electric one and then like a baby grand that got handed down in the family. So was, I guess the piano was always, always there. And then um, started because my parents loved singing in choirs. They kind of took us to one of the, you know, like the local places where we could sing and we loved it. So we carried on singing in choirs a lot. And then that went into a crazy whole next stage of singing, like in Windsor Castle, seven times a week and doing lots of crazy um, music ranging from modern day right through to the 14, 1500s, you know, all cool. English choral Yeah, very, uh, very intense. And in order to go there, you also had to study two musical instruments and that was included if, you know, you got a scholarship. And so it's just like, and that was from the ages of like eight, nine till about 13. Wow. Yeah, so that has this like crazy amount of music to be doing at that age and it was yeah, for, obviously there was all all four parts of the harmony or sometimes more were except the top line which was boys from the school were professional musicians so the quality of the music we were making at that age was absurd um in comparison to what like most kids are doing when they're like dabbling with music as an eight as like a nine-year-old you know yeah, yeah i think i had a recorder and i was learning hot cross buns <laughs> maybe honestly i think that was my only appeal to like going to church and doing things like that um was like the ability to get to play music or right. like, be able to play musical yeah. instruments in that environment or whatever right so, it's a point of access for a lot of people definitely um, it was mm-hmm. for me 100%. yeah yeah and uh it was a, it was kind of like setup where you had to do half an hour of music practice on your instrument before you got breakfast, because <laughs> we were living wow. there, and nice. uh, so like you, you couldn't help but at least get good at your instrument and get good at your craft at like a, in that you couldn't escape being the kind of lazy person that I said time times used to be. <laughs> 
<laughs> Definitely. I think we, I think everybody, I think that everybody. No one wants to practice. Yeah, no one wants to practice their instrument, but everyone wants to be sick at it. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just like this. Ah, oh, there's this, this something not work quite right there. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I don't know how many people in my life, like growing up, were like, "Oh, Megan, teach me the guitar," and oh like, God. just okay, sit down for one second. I'll teach you a bar chord. Your hands are gonna hurt, and you're gonna be mm-hmm. like, "I quit." And that's yeah, that. I, I remember trying to play a bar chord for the first time. I'm like, "This doesn't can't you can't do this. It doesn't work like that." <laughs> my it's, hands I, don't do it. I think it's so funny because it's like second nature to me now, and it's like. Uh, when I first started and like uh, my whole hand would be callous, my whole left mm-hmm. hand would be calloused and the tips would be like bloody and scabbing up. I was up mad and- about how much my hand hurt from bar chords. In fact, I remember telling uh, John Laughlin, God bless you, my guitar teacher, that I was not going to be learning any more songs with bar chords in them so he could forget it. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't learn any more songs with bar chords in them until The Middle by Jimmy Eat World came out. And I... You had, had to, to know you that had to song. Yeah. I had to know it. And yeah. so uh, I went in and I told him, I'm sorry for what I said. I, <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> I want, I have to know this song. So I have to play it for my friends. Right. And so I learned the middle and that was, it just took some time. I was in the middle of the ride, you know? But also like once you can play bar chords, you can play anything. That's true. Yeah. So that is very as true. soon as someone told me like, oh yeah, there's a few different variations of the bar chord. And if you got that, you got every single chord down. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. So I was never, uh, I was always a rhythm guitarist and, and that is kind of being very generous with the phrase guitarist, I think, you know, cause like I, I, I'm not great, but like I did try and play rhythm guitar in my band when I was, you know, growing up. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're better than you think you are. Every, every Imposter musician, syndrome. every musician, every, <laughs> I think instrumentalist is better than they think they are. We're our own. Yeah, but you guys haven't heard me play the guitar. this is true true. i always tell people and still even as like an adult as a 33 year old man people will come up to me from time to time and be like oh man i wish i could play guitar and i'm like you can you could yeah right no 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 i can't i i don't have the time and i'm like you got you don't have five minutes a day yeah you don't have five minutes a day it seems pretty daunting i think the older you get for anything yeah the older i get for anything the less willing i am to like make changes or like improve myself kind of yeah, but like yeah, you break hard. it down, you break it down day by day. If you were to like give yourself five or ten minutes of practice every instrument of your day for for every day for a year, you'd mm-hmm. be sick at the end of the year. Totally. Yeah, no, you're pretty. You can get really good at guitar in a year, and that's what I always tell people. But they just putting that time frame into perspective is is like you said, daunting, Megan. It is, and I think people are just like, oh no, I'm not going to. But that. it is totally worth it. I've been. I mean, again, and I just say, just like Jack, I'm no like lead soloist guitar, amazing guitar player. I, I have an understanding to a degree of like basic music theory and I know where things are on the neck and I know the pentatonic scale essentially, you know, Mm -hmm. but like practicing riffing and things like that has, I mean, making sure that I'm doing that, like at least 30 minutes a day for the past six months probably has made me comfortable to the point where I can noodle around on stage and feel confident mm-hmm. that people aren't staring at me like, what the hell are you doing? And confident that I'm not going to fuck up. Yeah. The only um, people who are doing that are other guitar players. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I'm just saying like it def it's been the first thing that I've picked back up in a while, mm-hmm. honestly, to like try to surpass the plateau where I've been right. musically with this one instrument right. um, so that I can play it on stage. But getting to that point and getting to the point where you want to do anything on stage like specifically one skill mm-hmm. that takes so long. Mm-hmm. I didn't sing on stage forever. 
it mm-hmm. scared the shit out of me. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So. Uh, now, but Jack, now in, your instrument is uh, piano, correct? Yeah. I mean, I play. I play a few. Like, I, I play bass as well. I'm really enjoying that, and uh, drums as well. But, awesome. Um, yeah, like my instrument that I've been playing longest is for sure the piano. Piano now, and do you, voice. Uh, do, do you uh, practice that every day still? Every day in my like dream reality distorted world, of course, okay, <laughs> I practice every day. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, if we're talking Wait. about the real world, it's not not every day. But we do play a lot. Like I have um I have a piano in my kitchen as well as a drum kit and an organ and like a Juno and uh, like a Yamaha the synth, which we just put in there too, and mm-hmm. a xylophone and. <laughs> The drum oh, so kit's like kind of. So your kitchen's a, your studio. No, no, that's just that's the jam room. The studio is actually downstairs, and it's like fully. <laughs> that's like where the proper speakers are and stuff, and that's where I work. But we have all this shit in the kitchen, kind of to force us to play it as much as possible. That's awesome. That's a great yeah. idea. And like you know, we jam in it all the time. Jeremy from Big G literally came over last night, and me, uh, him, my other housemate Dave had a savage jam. Awesome, savage jam. Because you can put like uh, you can on the organ, we've got the Juno on top of the organ, so you can put a, like a, a nice bass sound in the left and kind of play rhythm and organ, like rhythm bass, an organ, and then you can have a piano going and a drum kit. So kind of got Sweet. you can get to some funky places. And yeah, Does, and um, all sorry, of it, go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say like all it being there, like you basically can't walk past it any time in the day without seeing it and it trying to like tempt you in. If you know what I mean. Mm. So yeah. I definitely play the piano so much more because it's just unavoidable i gotta do that totally i, I think, think that's a that. thing for like all musicians though like this weekend i got a little tipsy on saturday and all i cared about af- after that happened was playing my guitar and the piano i mm-hmm. like sit in my sat in my studio by myself for like two hours and like my friends kept trying to come get me and be like what are you doing in here by yourself i was like mm-hmm. i'm playing music and if you don't want to do that too then get out <laughs> uh, I, do, I do that from time to time as well when i get home from work i'll just be sitting there playing guitar and people will be walking by trying to talk to me and i'm like huh, what it's irresistible huh? what? sometimes it's all i want to do it's more fun than talking to anybody else yeah yep <laughs> <laughs> anyway. music is a very good like element for people who just don't want to like be around <laughs> anyone or other people or something like that mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. i'm i'm not like that as at my core, but there's definitely days and or weeks when I am like that. So music is such a good excuse for that. You're like, ah, music, leave me alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially, yeah. If I am feeling antisocial, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm got so many mixed downs to do. Like I've always got so many mixed downs to do, but it's today's excuse. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's like, it just, it, 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 it's, it ebbs and flows with your life, with your personal life. I find sure. So we actually just had the privilege of seeing you live, Jack, when you were here in Minneapolis uh, playing with, with the Funk Hunters, with particularly just with uh, Duncan that night, because unfortunately Nick was sick. But you did a, a little bit of a run with those guys, didn't you? Yeah, we did all, uh, all across America. That's awesome. Like so how long, 13, how many dates? 12 dates across three weeks. That's awesome. Um, did you have a pretty good time? Very good time. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's actually a few new markets on there as well. And uh, you know, it's when you, it's so, so cool when you see in a new place, someone, you know, in the front row singing words, you know, singing along, just like mm-hmm. so happy. <laughs> That's, I think hopefully will never, ever change like the mind blowing factor of going to a new town 
and meeting a new or at least just seeing a new fan. But I, I made a point on that tour, especially to just kind of mingle after my sets and always watch, you know, and enjoy the Funk Hunters so I could meet any fans that had come out to see me and like, you know, make those connections. And that was my favorite part of all the tours was, was, was just doing that, making a point of just connecting with everyone who wanted and, and or needed that and heard some great stories about, you know, my music helping people through all kinds of shit, which is like so powerful and encouraging and motivating and inspiring. Because mm-hmm. these people you've never met have got these stories about something that you did for them, and it's that that is continues to be one of the most mind blowing things for me ever. Beyond that's pretty uh, cool, yeah. Beyond them, like knowing the music, but like that music having actually changed something or done something in their life, like, mm-hmm. that's crazy. It, it kind of gives you this feeling, this reaffirmation, like you said, motivation, inspiration, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, yeah, uh, all these feelings kind of all at once, um, and it makes it makes all those hours practicing when you were growing up kind of uh it reaffirms it in your brain of like oh i wasn't wasting my time it does right. and we like need that like all the time yeah because, because literally the music that, industry that affirmation. oh yeah mm-hmm. the industry is literally trying to just make you like just break you down mentally you know all the time mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah it's just like what I, I always find like music is is very funny because it's such a, a fun thing to do and uh music's such a fun thing to play and then when you go out and try to play it for people you instantly become part of the process of trying to be weeded out. Right. So you have to, it, you either you have to have the mentality. I don't know if I'm phrasing this or if I'm explaining this right, <laughs> but you can't just like, you can't go in it with like kind of a weak mentality or you'll be out like instantly. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know? definitely. There's that quote that's like, Hey, you remember that producer that gave up? No, no, <laughs> no neither yeah, do I. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I completely agree with what you're saying. I don't know if I said it uh, very well. I get what you're saying. You know yeah, what it's mean. savage. You know. We do need that like instant gratification in those comments like all the time though because they can literally be the thing that like makes you want to go sit in your studio again. Right. Especially if you've been in a little bit of a funk and you haven't been in there a few days and you are just questioning your – you know, like we were talking about with Michael Mennert about imposter syndrome. Yes. Right, And yeah. how – yeah, I live my life in that. I live my life in that state. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. and there's a hard line between I think being humble and being like realistic about your capabilities. Right. So there's that for everyone to decide to themselves. But I think we totally need those like constant comments and those like if a song makes you feel good or you had a really cool experience to it or it makes you think of this or whatever, like fucking tell us. We want to know. We want to hear those things. Those things like seriously can change our whole week or our whole whole month or whatever. And it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. So if you're going to do anything today besides listen to this (laughs) podcast, go tell someone dope that – has dope music that their shit's dope or any any like artist <laughs> yeah, if like anybody. if anybody's doing something cool that you think that you like go yeah go, go holla at someone you yeah, dig. yeah exactly and so speaking of that tour and going out and mingling with people after your shows at the particular show in minneapolis that you were at uh we were mingling and i apologize i might have had a few too many uh beers at the bar I next we, door we were all, we it all wasn't had some beers thing. at the bar next door it, we was, all, it was tequila oh Pat. was it tequila again <laughs> oh man <laughs> My best friend, my frenemy, but we had a good time at the bar and you were, I was trying to guess where in Britain you were from. Right. And 
you had some really good accents for all the different uh, regions <laughs> of the island. Please don't let me do this. Would you be Would you be willing to do this Fuck. for the, the listeners? This is going to be committed to the internet forever. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> don't feel obligated. Don't feel obligated. Actually, you know what? Can you just do your best American impression? Yeah, yeah, that works. That works. Okay, so there's two. Okay, there's two American ones. <laughs> there's like the. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> There's like the oh my god, I, like you know the Valley Girl style. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't believe she wore the same dress as me. It's outrageous. <laughs> Holy <laughs> That's pretty good. No, I'm so glad we picked like, this I one. I fucking instead. hate her. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! That one. And That's then that like, was yeah. fantastic. The other one is like the creepy southern, like you know, I like the way you talk, boy. <laughs> I like that one better. I think, you, I think you nailed that one. That is so funny, dude. Oh, you got man. a pretty mouth there. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Colorado accent? Can you do the Colorado it's, accent? It's kind of middle America. I'm still working on that. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm in the fun of like working on the extreme ones that are really noticeable and then kind of trying to bring it back. Yeah. Find you know? a happy medium with the neutral ones. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the I feel like the Colorado, like the Denver, Boulder, Mountain Town accents are very. The, it's like a Midwest mixed with like super West Coast, like Southern well, California. Ski bombs, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. like the elongated vowels and like. Well, that's the way it is, man. Yeah. Like seriously, <laughs> come on, exactly. get it together. Let's go shred. Hell yeah. Yeah, Fresh yeah. Pow pow. Like, dude, there's this <laughs> totally rad wave, and, and I can't. <laughs> Like all, sorts of, like all sorts of cool slang. <laughs> it's just oh, that's a barrel, that. man. I barreled hard, and it's just like so gnarly. <laughs> Holy shit, this is great. This, this might be great. my favorite, one of my favorite yeah, like, yeah. segments we've ever done here. <laughs> oh man, this kind of reminds me of um, at the beginning of a Broad City episode. Abby and Alana are talking to each other, and Abby's asking Alana to do like impressions, like non-word impressions of different cultures, and she's like, "Okay, do Italian," and she's like. <laughs> and she's like, okay, now Chinese. And she's like, dude, it's 2019. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Americans anyway. can have a bit of fun made of them, though, I think. Oh, please. Oh, yeah, I think we've deserved it, it. Yeah. Cool, man. So you don't have you don't have much time off, do you? You're gonna be back on the road here pretty soon. Yeah, there's um I, I was playing in Aspen on Friday with Pete Tong, mm-hmm. which was Oh awesome. my God, Pete Tong, Pete Tong. BBC. Yeah, right. And he was—he oh was God. the first person to play me on, and actually the only person to play me on Radio One ever. Really? Yeah. So BBC uh, sent I kind of told him one. that I, I bumped into him, but right before he went on stage, and I was like, "Oh, I, uh, you know, I'm on—I I released on your label, and you played me on the radio, so thanks." And he was like, "Cool." And, and like, it, just, it was weird to hear him speak because I grew up listening to him speak on the radio. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. it, he's, obviously that's what he sounds like, but that's the first time in my life when I've done like that whole like, oh my God moment. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is so funny. Because dude. he's, you know, he was just like, I spoke a normal sentence, but in, in the Pete Tong voice, you know. Oh, totally. And I guess the Pete Tong voice is what out. he sounds like, but it was just, it was, it was very trippy for me, but it was cool as well. It was like a life, lifetime, uh, lifetime goal. And like, you know, super awesome to, uh, and he threw down just the most vicious house set I've heard in a while. It was savage. I was. That's awesome. Yeah, Congrats, doing my stank that's face. a big achievement. Yeah. But and that was yeah. in Aspen, you said? Yeah, that was Aspen this weekend. But yeah, I'm cool. going back there at the end of the month to do my live show to open for Big G, which is going to be really fun. Oh, great. And what, what venue is that at? At the Belly Up. 
belly up and yeah. Aspen, what date? What's the date? You know? the, oh God, I should have this ready. Damn, I uh, I think it's the twenty seventh. I should always have this open. I mean, DC on the sixteenth, and then Aspen's the twenty sixth. Okay, and cool. Then, so DC, um, yeah. DC for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, 10 days after that, I'll be back at Aspen. And, but that's actually, I've always done DJ set says. It's the first time I'm taking my live show. And the Excellent. live show is very different. Now, is it just you with your live show or do you have like other uh, bandmates? No, it's the same as like the one I took to, um, to that you guys saw piano. in Minneapolis. Yeah. Okay, right on. Yeah, right yeah. On. I mean, live is, is like it, essentially like I take out the, the keyboard parts and I play them in live, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and obviously the vocals too. Mm-hmm. Okay, and down so the road, I'd love to have a band for sure. Ooh, that would be sick. Okay, so how did you get to the point of the music that you make now? I like to ask that kind of question. That's a good one. Well, like, so I came in with house music, right? Like when I was eighteen, I went to Ibiza, found, discovered house music, and then started DJing it, and then started trying to make it, and then realized I sucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and was like I'm gonna make something else because clearly you know house music's way too complicated or like I just suck but I wasn't willing to admit that so then it's like <laughs> you go I went full circle essentially like did drum and bass dubstep all the uh, complex stro stuff bit of dub like reggae pop uh, and just tried like making everything and, and learning how to do it and then essentially like had picked up all these different nuances and styles and little ways of doing things differently from each genre and came right the way back around to house music because that's what I loved. But learned a lot on the way and still sucked. (laughs) But like sucked with a few more like tricks up my sleeve in terms of production, you know. But it it took took a long time for me to understand the relationship between the sonics of production, you know, the science of frequencies and all that stuff mm-hmm. and the language of music, you know? Right. Cause that like, right. that they're two different beasts entirely. Right. It's not a, it's not a, uh, like a natural combo. Right. And, and that I thought coming in, cause I have this classical background and after I, um, you know, after I did this choir thing, I went and got a music scholarship to my high school and carried on studying music pretty intensely there. And then went on to university to King's College London to study classical music and composition and stuff like that. So I had this almost, I was pompous in my mindset because it was like, oh, I've had this crazily good classical music education, like deep in the theory, deep in kind of like um, musical scoring, especially. And like it almost counted against me when I started trying to produce music because it's like, I was trying to throw in so much overcomplicated, like theoretical bullshit stuff that was really clever, you know, mm-hmm. on maybe like an academic level or like a compositional level, like cunning, but just mm-hmm. so unnecessary and mm-hmm. so, um, you know, over the top and almost like distasteful in a way, you know. Uh, so it's just like this weird, I had became reductionist and that took so many years to like wash off the whole classical training of like thinking we in a certain way. We were just talking about that last episode actually. No way. How learning about how, like what space the song needs and what mm-hmm. things to take out. And actually Stay Loose just posted something the other day that I, I don't know if you listened to Stay Loose. Oh but yeah, I, I Yeah, yeah. He said something along the lines of like, 
I know a song is finished when I've taken out everything I can possibly take out and it's still the song. Yeah, that's such a good way that's of thinking good. about that's it. That's a really good quote. The reductionist way is hard, but it's like it, 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 it's the only way. It just takes so long to develop that understanding yeah. of how, how less is more. And you don't have to like try and show off in everything you do with like, oh, but I could do it this way and it would be really cool and clever. Like, maybe mm-hmm. don't. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe restrain yourself. Yeah, I'm going through that, just kind of learning that myself right now when it comes to production, because I've always been an instrumentalist and I've used like DAWs as practice tools, but just in the past year, I've been kind of trying to focus on the production, more of the production side of things, like you were just saying, and how they're, it, it's so different from like what you want to put in in your head and what you, these ideas that you have and how it just doesn't actually really work out right yeah totally and i think just like okay so pat by the way we've mentioned this like one or two other times on here but pat does all the editing for the podcast and that was kind of what i said when we started doing this was like if you want to do this i don't have time to edit these podcasts yeah but i will be on them with you and i'll hit people (laughs) up you know like let's do it but i think that Pat probably feels that just editing something like a podcast, which is completely tangential from a, you know, 80 track song is still super lucrative toward your like just general knowledge as a music producer or an audio engineer, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Just kind of how you were saying that you bounced all over the place, Jack, for a long time. And even though you didn't find a home in any of those things, the knowledge that you gained while you were imitating them or whatever, yeah, trying to find that sound is definitely more lucrative toward finding something good in the end. Right. Yeah. And it just like allows you to, like you say, like put what's it, like hardest thing is to be, get, not get frustrated when, like you say in your mind, you have this amazing sound and this amazing idea and you just can't bring it to life with the, your fingertips and like, you know, the software you have in front of you. Mm-hmm. And there is a there is a point when you cross over and you're like bloody hell I can make anything I want to say uh, anything oh, anything I can think of in my head I can turn into sound and mm-hmm. that when that point happened it was like a an extraordinarily freeing moment yeah mm-hmm. that really is yeah because it's it's just like suddenly it's not like what can I what am I capable of making it's not like what can I make within the restraints of how what I know. It's like how big is your imagination? You know what? How mm-hmm. how where? What will I do today with you know with with what's in my mind? Totally, yeah. but I think that even gets pushed like to a certain extent as we see people in these genres, like not genres, I guess. See people in the industry making new genres, I guess, or putting certain fusions together, or mm-hmm. like whatever. So like even though you feel you'll get to a certain point where you can make everything that you can hear in your head, things are so rapidly changing and people are like breaking boundaries for sound design and like new genres or whatever you want to call them constantly arrangement, structuring, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so that just keeps expanding like the possibilities and like the thought process your mind goes through when you have your creative process because it just keeps, like I said, like growing. So it never really feels finite. Like I can't, like for me anyway, that I can make everything I hear in my head. Because right. when I hear new stuff, I'm just wondering, like, well, how the fuck did you do well, that? Well, that's the thing is that, especially with bass music and and with uh, with like the bass lines specifically, bass synths. Like back when I was making, you know, FM synth lines and doing the real like gritty, gritty wub wub bass sounds. I kind mm-hmm. of, 
I like realized like that, that the sound that I make now definitely doesn't require me to keep up to date <laughs> with those particular developments. Cause you know how that is when you get into bass synthesis, like the, the sounds are absurd and it gets so cool. And that's, and, and that's why I like love the genre the most is because just the respect for the sound engineering and the design itself is just so gnarly. And I remember being deep, deep, deep in that and loving it and basically like you can never know that much you can never know enough about that kind of stuff mm -hmm. especially when you go into you know fm synthesis and just all that kind of wild like it's just an, it's a never-ending web but right. like kind of my my sound is very like mellow bass lines and sometimes i go a little bit harder but you know it's uh it's something that i guess uh almost in a way because i have my machine and like i was we were late starting this podcast because my machine's so old it didn't even have the right version of chrome you know <laughs> so like my, my computer's on its last legs is dying and uh my uh, so i haven't like put new synths on it for a while you know for, oh, for a yeah. year time you know like and and i've tried to just do everything i can with what i have on my computer so i think there'll come a point when i get my new machine whenever that is that i'll just get a whole new wave of synths and just completely change my toolkit and see if that you know, honestly, does anything. That happened to me. I had a computer like shit out on me and I just bought a new one and just, I thought about like retrieving the hard drive and putting everything over onto there. And, and I, I avoided that for long enough that I finally just started to like download the things I knew I needed on yeah. my new computer. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually I just, had, I don't know, a whole new setup of just, I, I don't know, it completely changed how I thought about stuff and it got rid of all the old projects maybe I'd been pouring over for too long right. and obsessing about. Yeah. And it was just like a clean slate that was actually, mm. I think, very much needed for me. That sounds delightful. That's, I, I need hope one that, of that happens I need for that you. so badly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it was a thing where silence wasn't 64-bit for a long time so i could never use logic 10 because logic 10 was 64 bit only and silent is like the juiciest warmest analog sounding synth in my opinion that, that exists and uh i just like i couldn't live without it i just couldn't do it like, me on <laughs> i logic think you're now. probably the only other producer that we've had on the podcast that works in logic logic nine myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we talked about that. I forgot you're still on. Yeah, that's I, hilarious. There was one. I think there was. We had one other, person, one other person, but I can't remember who. Calvin Harris, there. I know, produces in Logic Nine, so that's good enough for me. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times, maybe not all producers, but I know there's a lot of producers, and especially a lot of aspiring producers are more concerned about the DAWs that they have and like right. everything being the newest and the latest. And really, like you kind of touched on it with the toolkit that you have that everybody has you can make good music right it. and it's also you can still make a good song and it's also just like you know that's the thing you're basically unable to admit that it takes time to train your ear like that's mm -hmm. essentially what you're doing above all else in terms of your toolkit really and your technique is, yeah. is like training your ear to hear the difference between 10 and 11k and all these like tiny little things which you're just not used to having to pay attention to. You're basically hyper hypersensitizing your ears to, to make them like a superhuman ear. And mm -hmm. uh, it's a thing that once you, sometimes you call it the producer's curse. You know, like you listen, oh, I don't know if you, is, get, you get this too, but you put on a great track and you're just unable to enjoy it because you're picking it apart, like di di dissecting it in your mind and listening to the frequencies totally. and like 
that snare how did they you know what are they what what do they do to that you know um (laughs) and that just takes years it takes literally years and it's it's uh, a process you can't rush and in the meet in in the process you get frustrated you're like oh i I must i I need to buy an analog synth or like i need to upgrade my sound card i need to upgrade my monitors or it's like it's the gear my 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 shit is holding me back (laughs) it's yeah. The reality is, like everyone goes to that phases, and you just kind of want to grab them by the shoulders and shake them. You know, all my like, like I would do to my younger self, and be like, "No, you yeah. just don't right. get." I remember this quick. seeing. I remember seeing this picture of Roscoe in his like bedroom, right? When doing those right fucking- after somebody to love had come out, right? And I was like laughing, and he's like on little computer speakers, like the right. little Logitech ones. He did a whole masterclass like, out of that room. Like he did, like how to produce this song. It's like twenty minute videos on YouTube. I remember watching it and being like, "Okay, this is Rusko's studio. This is literally like a CRT monitor, like in a, it, with yeah, like you said, computer speakers." And he, mm-hmm. and he was it making blew my mind. Yeah. So it's just and like, I was like, "Okay, I don't need anything. You don't need like, shit." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just well, it's like, and I mean, uh, like Slink Evan. Yeah, if you know Slink, yeah, he produces a lot of his stuff when he's on tour he's said to us before and he uses these like little 11 dollar like audio technica earplugs that he found right. at like uh, some brookstone or something mm-hmm. like oh, that oh jules jules was telling me he wears does, by them jules was telling me he does it on his laptop speakers really i'm sh- I'm sure some people are crazy. Yeah, so like you do it, like, like uh, you get it to like eighty percent done on the laptop speakers, and then you say, yeah, that's how you know the bass is gonna hit like really fucking hard, and then you basically just add the sub underneath when you get into the studio or, or on headphones. Who is saying this? Jaws. Oh, oh my god, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it's like well, we had uh, no Aaron or Fle- uh, Flamingosis. Aaron, I don't know if you're familiar with him. I love music. Yeah. Yeah, he he produces on his dad's desktop computer, which is normal, like standard, like computer, comp- little tiny computer speakers. Whenever his dad's not using his computer, he'll just jump on and produce, and that's like mind blowing to me. Right, I and I, I, it's funny. Yeah. There was a thread on someone's Facebook the other day that I was like, someone had said, "Oh, if you had a bunch of money to invest in your project right now, what would you do?" And everyone was talking about buying gear or this like synth or this keyboard or this stuff. I'm like. Oh damn! If this isn't like the only thing on your mind, isn't like marketing, getting your actual music because you can make the coolest music you like in the world, dude. You can like work on it for five, ten years, make the best. But like, if no one hears it, no one hears it. Like, Mm -hmm. in the the sad reality is, you have to put so much thought and time and energy into marketing. I mean, it's a broad term, but getting your music heard. You know, honestly, I really have found that. And I mean, I've worked in other genres too prior to this, like hip hop and stuff like that. And as a graphic designer, I pretty much exclusively choose to do like graphic work for other musical artists because I actually like enjoy that process. And um, so I like freelancing, doing that kind of stuff. But I have noticed that I feel like the like what you're talking about right now, you knowing that we need to put X, Y, Z into marketing and how important that is, is really something that I didn't feel like was even talked about when I was working in other genres. And I feel like other genres of music, like aside from electronic music, um, are much more DIY sort of like scenes mm-hmm. in, in lots of cases until you get really, really big. Yeah, And so I I just remember like, having this kind of shock when I started doing electronic music, realizing that me putting money into my Facebook ads and my Instagram ads and stuff, that wasn't 
me forcing myself into people's faces that it's not cheating. That's yeah. like what you have to do. Have just to be, just and to I, compete. Exactly. And it, it's definitely, Pat can speak to this. He's played in a reggae band. He's played in indie bands. He, mm-hmm. he can speak to the fact of how DIY they can be. Some people don't even know how to get their music up for distribution. Some people don't even, some people are anti anti-marketing just because they want to be DIY because it's I like suppose, some hip yeah, thing or something like that. I don't that. know what it is with just the difference of the demographic of people that are doing electronic music or just like the this facade that everything is so like well produced and so fancy all the time and because it's a club and it's, you know, like, yeah. you know. It comes yeah. with a it's certain like to- pedigree of con- quality yeah, of content. Yeah. And like, yeah, I enjoy the challenge. Yeah, it doesn't have that gorilla. Right. Sorry. I, I was going to say yeah. like, I, I enjoy the challenge of that you know, like having to put out like, you know, high quality stuff, uh, not just, you know, not music. That That's something I really enjoy doing. But, you know, putting out stuff so that your socials are always popping and uh, all that stuff. Uh, people underestimate yeah, the energy and time. Yeah, my enjoys taken. that side of it. <laughs> I, I'm the sort of person I don't think I would be on social media unless I was trying to, you know, get people to hear about my music. Because, I don't know, I just, uh, I've been to so many shows and so many concerts when you, hold out you look out you look out on the audience and just you know at least 50 percent of the crowd is holding up a phone and watching the event in real life through their own screen in the place where it's happening and you're like this is fucked up and <laughs> that is fucked up. it's like damn so I, i'm kind of anti that but at the same time obviously i embrace it because it's one of the, the easiest and the best place for me to connect with people who are like it my is, music yeah. and I do that and I love that and yeah. that's the best bit about it is when someone wants to reach out and talk like, you know I've got time <laughs> yeah so some bands have you know like a no phone policy right like and clubs exclusively too for that reason yeah would you ever consider doing that on like a headline show or something oh, I love that if it's not like interpreted as like a douchey move exactly you know? yeah I think if Which, you were strategic about how you said yeah, it you just have to say it in the right way it's, it's like look the way I always thought about doing it is if I, you know, when I was in a headline kind of situation, we like, look, I spent a bunch of money hiring the best people in the industry to come and film this. And their cameras are a lot better than yours. You know, they're really going to do a good job. They got the audio coming from the board, you know, like you're going to get to be able to rewatch this moment for free over and over again in HD. So put your fucking phone away. <laughs> That's yeah, a good way of putting it. You know, but like, I just like, how, what, what, you know, I get it though. I get why people do it. People want to remember it. Or, or the, but like the, the more sinister one is they want to prove that they were there, really. No, yeah. it really is that yeah. because I can't really think of many times ever that I've gone back through my phone library and been like watching old concert never. videos. Never. Like, enjoy like, the moment never. in high quality Maybe audio. only I'm doing it to see <laughs> if I can delete it because it's taking up fucking room in my yeah, phone. Right. And I'm like, what is this? Right. What is this 45 second video that I just had to have? Yeah, every time like I run out of room on my phone and I'll like uh, transfer it over to my computer, I have like so much shit pictures videos and stuff like on this giant folder on my desktop i've never once gone through it like never once in like six years and across like three different phones never once right the thing is that see i'm the opposite of that i kind of like made a point of, of of doing when i first started touring doing like two second clips of a thing so if i was somewhere crazy and it was just like a cool visual like i was looking up upon a cool scene a cool show or crowd or anywhere or like any kind of thing I'd literally get out my phone for two seconds and take a clip. 
It's because my sister showed me one of those apps, a second for every day app, you know, and it reminds you each day to film a second of video and then it stitches it all together into a three minute long, you know, three minute, four minute video at the end of the year oh, and wow. you watch it and it's kind of cool. That's pretty cool. So that was the way I did it, but it took so little time. And then the rest of the entire day, you know, or the, for the next several hours until I was somewhere completely different, the phone wouldn't be, uh, the phone would be gone, you know, it'd be in the pocket and out of the way. And uh, I was able to enjoy the moment and I kind of really embraced that. And then I just became that guy who was like kind of almost like annoyed when people were doing too much videoing of, of shows because I'm just like, please be Get in the present lawn. moment. Yeah. Like just exist here with us now. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I'm usually like the worst at, at taking pictures and all that, that type of stuff. There's been so many times where like I've gone to places and people would be like, oh, did you get like a picture? And it's not, I'm not saying like shows or anything like that. Just like somewhere cool, mm-hmm. like scenic, yeah. you know? Right. And I'm like, no, I totally fucking forgot. Like I just was che- <laughs> like checking it out kind of in the moment. <laughs> I like pictures and all that type of stuff, but I'm like the worst. Yeah, but it's bad now because yeah. like I looked in my iCloud of like all the photos from the past like, four years of touring, which is taking me all around the world multiple times. And I've looked took no no photos of any of it <laughs> and no videos. <laughs> and I know there's there's some like evidence of it on the internet and stuff like that, but it's kind of fun. So there is a I do think I could have taken some just to look back upon, you know. So there is a ba- there's a healthy <laughs> right. balance yeah. there that I have been way off the scale on the other end for a long time mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm trying to like snap every now and then and you know create memories and stuff like that but it's hard to also like i mean and i'm not saying that our management is like huge assholes about this by any means but you know like they are helping us and reminding us that you know hey do take a photo while you're in the mountains at this yeah when you're in Aspen, you know, like take a picture of yourself there yeah. and like reminding you to do things that are helpful to us on our social media and things like that. And then like you start to get in this mindset where you're kind of constantly maybe thinking, of, at least myself, I'm kind of constantly thinking of like, when's my next opportunity that I can't miss to get a picture. Right. And you can't while help I'm it. Here. Exactly. And it kind of sucks. I just started my own foodie Instagram. Nice. So I can basic so that I can basically stare at pictures of food of food I've already eaten. <laughs> Doesn't that make you hungry though? <laughs> it does. And and then I start to think about the next thing I'm gonna cook and like and I have all these like I get really excited and then I just get sucked into it. But yeah, lately all I've been thinking about is like taking pictures of the food that I eat while I'm at the places that I'm uh, at. But the, the thing it can just be distracting in general to For me that's it's that. even less than distracting. It just makes me depressed. Like honestly, I, I go on I go on Instagram and I, all I follow is like fellow artists. So in a time when you're off tour, even if you've just gotten back from oh, a dope tour so right. full of shows, mm-hmm. full of this amazing feelings, you see someone else on tour and you're like, fuck. Yeah, I wish I was I there. Totally. In, and, and all of my feed <laughs> is just that. And so it's Seriously. just like, like you get like, and you, it's so silly, but even if you've done literally on the way home from your own show, you can, you, does something in your brain totally i've been like in the best mood ever making a new song and i'm like super feeling it and i'll be like oh well i'm jamming this let's go see if anyone talked to me on facebook and i open facebook and i scroll for like five seconds and within that time i've seen homies of mine or people that i don't know that are big artists doing things that i've always wanted to do and then i get depressed about that i'm sitting in my tiny little bedroom studio still making a song that i think is dope that nobody else has even heard (laughs) and then i just am like fuck this and i shut logic down and i go watch netflix like it can just be like that it can mess it can mess you up so much and the worst thing is when you try and analyze it you know and get in your own brain or meditate about it you just think like wow i'm i'm just a jealous 
like jaded loser, you know, because I see other people doing well and instead of being happy for them as I should be, I'm like, damn, why do I like, what's, you know, what am I doing wrong? And you, and you're ignoring the fact that you are doing okay and you are, but like, you can always find someone who's doing better and you can always like, there is an actual number, you know, in terms of your following and then how many people are liking your photos that you can, you can compare if you so desire, if you really want to make yourself feel smaller, you know, you can say, Oh, you know, I post this stuff and I think it's cool, but no one really likes my photos. And that's the same Mm -hmm. thing that so many kids in America are growing up with now. And for me, it like actually physically affects the money I can earn. You know, which is a bizarre, mm-hmm. like reality. You know, promoters look at your social social numbers and decide, you know, based on how how many people they know you can reach. They didn't used to do that. You know, yeah. isn't up. that sad though? Like tend- tendentially, isn't that sad oh, that uh, kids kids growing up today now have to deal with all of that? Like when I was growing up, I, I mean, social media wasn't a thing. I, Facebook didn't even exist until I was in college, yeah. which kind of dates me, but. I, I couldn't imagine like growing up. I mean, we had like AOL instant messenger right. and like that was as close to social media as we had. I guess there was uh my yeah, my band but, had a MySpace, but I didn't have one. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I never had one. I had one for Did my, you? yeah. Where I would post my acoustic covers that I would Sick. play at coffee shops. But I would Tuesdays. think like, I would think it would detract Sick. from like my life when I was growing up, like in middle school, like going outside and like playing sports right. or like playing video games or trying to hang out with friends. I would never, if I had social media to deal with and like distract me or oh. depress me because like, and now like I, I imagine like people who like don't get invited to events, like you're not a cool kid or whatever in middle school, you probably like that probably really bums people out and, we, and okay, they're very okay. fragile. Yeah. But okay. Let's just talk about MySpace though. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it made you rate your friends publicly from one really? to eight. Did it? I, Hello, so I never had one. Remember, I never okay, had one. MySpace no. had this thing called the top eight. And actually, after a while that it was had, had after it had been popular for like a while, they expanded that option to being able you like where you as the as the profile user were allowed to say that you wanted to have a top four or like a top thirty two, oh, so you could okay. be like more inclusive. But generally, in the very beginning, it had eight spots. It was called the top eight, and you physically chose where your friends publicly that could see you doing this went on a list from one to eight. Yeah. Mm. Savage. That's insane. Yeah. That's so, the most like savage thing I've ever heard in my yeah, life. It's brutal. Uh, <laughs> you want to hear something kind of funny? It just kind of reminded me about MySpace. I knew MySpace was dead. My when senior- Justin Timberlake bought it? <laughs> no, well before that. <laughs> my senior year of college, I was interning at a record label, and I was kind of like an intern slash assistant for this lady at Motown. And she was you know, in her early 40s, mid 40s, and she asked me to help set up her MySpace MySpace profile, and that's when I knew MySpace was dead. <laughs> that's hilarious. It's <laughs> kind, of, kind of how Facebook is going right now. Oh, yeah. My parents been on Facebook for far, far yeah, too long. Yeah, so it's been Instagram dead for now. far, far too long. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyway, so you got any like cool music coming out soon, Jack? Yes, yeah, the whole album oh, thing. Yeah. Oh shit! Full of, full of Congratulations. Stuff. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's it's very. It's it's good, you know. Not gonna lie. Um, Are you signing with the label, or can you announce that no, yet? No, it's or? indie. It's indie. I'm I'm doing. Oh hey, um, uh, get it. I'll repost you. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> you gotta reach it. You know, when it's indie, you put a lot more. Like I say, we're talking about marketing. You do a lot more of that. 
that yeah, becomes, for sure. you know, that's kind of where my mind space is at. Like right now, because I've finished the music, I've done the mastering, I've done the mixing, it's all ready to go. We're just kind of figuring out how to make the best possible music video for the smallest possible budget because that's how the indie game works. <laughs> mm-hmm. You gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta really get a bang for your buck when you're making proper content, but we do want to make, you know, two really nice polished music videos to go with the two singles and cool. That's I'm exciting. super stoked to I do that. That's coming back hardcore right now. Right. And, uh, I'm singing on so many of the records. So it, oh, yay. It, it's like, okay. Diz on a remix. Oh yeah, for sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I haven't awesome. really like, you know, people still come to the shows and they're surprised about me singing. And I think like I've been doing it now for a couple of years in the shows and I've released so many songs of me singing on it and people still don't really realize that I do that. So Dude, totally. how do I get it really obvious? So these next two singles, you know, I'm going to be looking into the lens with my eyes and singing the words at the camera <laughs> like people do in music videos, you know, when when it's their song. <laughs> and hopefully doing awesome. that a couple of times and putting some, you know, some good marketing budget like behind that and getting the word out and getting people to see it will start that process of getting the message across that I'm a singer. <laughs> yeah, I understand dude i i can completely relate there are so many times people will come up to me people that i've seen at my shows like five times like people (laughs) that i feel like i know pretty well people whose names i know and they'll say like hey that new track you put out was uh, that someone's singing on that is that you (laughs) like uh yeah and like so were the last 10 like literally though (laughs) like Like, sometimes i'm just like yeah like does it say feats anybody yeah. like yeah and then sometimes they, and what about this one you're like ah, yep that one it's like no but not this one yeah that one oh, and then, yeah that, oh, that one, one they all yeah. sound the fucking same <laughs> man hey when's the when's the when's the album coming out we don't have the finalized date yeah what about singles but, uh yeah we're literally like locking that in right now as soon as we have our music video set and ready to shoot where are you gonna Ooh. lock it all in are you thinking sometime this spring? Oh yeah, the, the album will be out for the for the early summer, and then the two singles will be out before that. So it's it's all going to be like very very soon. It's just in the indie very indie cool. game. We we don't want to like commit until we have all our all our ducks lined up, as Cole likes to say. WWCT. What, what would Cole think? <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, man. We're gonna well, we're gonna wrap it up. Um, we're super excited for you, your singles. We're gonna be looking for your music videos. And the new album before the summer, before the festival circuit starts up. And this episode will be coming out on March 15th. So for those of you out there listening today, if you're out in D.C., check out Jack tomorrow night in Washington, D.C. for St. Patrick's Day. And then in Aspen, I believe you said the 26th. And then there's an unannounced Denver date the month after coming up so beating for that and then after that i'm in vegas and san francisco um Ooh, vegas i've actually never played before so that's gonna be fun and nice. that'll be awesome san francisco is at halcyon where i've never played but it's i think it won best club in america and i'm taking my um, oh, something like that uh with the dj mag or the best new club or i mean they're, they're crushing it over there so that's um, awesome. i'm taking the I live mean, show I love to san that francisco, so yeah yeah san francisco gets say uh, anything good about it to me and i'll be like uh-huh no, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Uh, they have like obviously yeah. the authors from there so there's like jack london square is in oakland and uh the there's a lot of jack london go stuff in and around uh, san francisco so uh 
Yeah, yeah. But hey, remember to go take a picture for your socials. Right. Well, yeah, no, I, I had have had had that thought and I have done that. You have to. Jack London and Jack London Square. Yeah, I mean WWCT. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, dude, though, for real. We appreciate it. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Peace. Ciao. All right. Peace. All right. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We appreciate you, dude. And we're super stoked to hear your new album whenever it drops. Yeah. So keep an eye out, people. So what do you got? You got a show tonight, right? Fargo. Yeah, I do. Uh, playing at the Aquarium. It's an all-ladies lineup. Not like that. Ladies only. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, not like that really matters, but always fun to have that camaraderie and like understanding with other chicks of kind of what we deal with in terms of being pigeonholed as women and like, I don't know, constantly being around only men. It's kind of how it usually is for me. So cool. anyway, yeah, I'm yeah. playing tonight in Fargo at the aquarium. It's always fun. So if you're there, come hang out uh, tomorrow night. I'll be at the Skyway theater. Both of these shows are with Maddie O'Neill. So that's super exciting. These are our, uh, this is the second run of this month's tour. Uh, well, I guess I guess it's not this month's, but of the, the spring's spring, tour yeah, spring with tour. Maddie. Yeah, and then we have another little leg back in Colorado doing mountain runs next week. But yeah, yesterday I was just in uh, Grand Rapids, and a couple days ago I was just in Austin. Maddie wasn't there, but... Yeah, do a little one-off. Yeah. And then when you're, you're doing like mountain towns, we talked about this last week too, but what are you doing uh, for your mountain run next week? So on the 21st, we're doing Vail or Avon at Agave, which is a tequila bar. Oh, I love Come that Come drink place. rattlesnake tequila with me. <laughs> Rattles, get a rattlesnake burrito Remember too. Remember we, we had a, yeah, oh my God, rattlesnake earthing. We totally drank rattlesnake tequila when we were there. So last time we were there. That was a sh- It was a shit, shit show. <laughs> And I loved every minute of it. It was our last stop of tour as well, I believe. It was. It so was. it was like, uh, kind of like, and you had let's to like, get it. You had to go like bolt out early because didn't you get a booking in Minneapolis for the yeah. Super Bowl? Like you, you guys had to hightail it out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to leave immediately. That sucked. Yeah, like I was super very early in the morning. Over. You and I Thorny, right? No, I was with Claire. Oh. And Ben. Oh yeah, yeah, we yeah. Were all deceased. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And I was talking about, you know, the condo. So if when you play at Agave, they have a condo that Mm -hmm. they own right behind the building that you you can stay in. And apparently there's like a big stain on the ceiling. I think Maddie was telling me this from like Michael Mennert being up there (laughs) with a bunch of people and they like popped a bottle of red wine or something and just like stained the shit out of the ceiling. (laughs) That's hilarious. And I think I remember seeing that stain when I was, when we were there. That's so funny. But anyway, so uh, yeah, the 21st, I'll be at Agave. Come drink rattlesnake tequila with me. Then on the 22nd, I'll be in Steamboat Springs at Schmiggity's. Schmiggity's. I've been hearing about forever. Jordan Stone, Stone Soul. He used to tell me, you got to play in Steamboat Springs. I think he was living there for a while. I think he was too. Yeah, uh, that that must have been why. But here I come at last. All right, Schmiggity's. Look out. Schmiggity. Have you ever played Frisco? No. You should play Frisco. Yeah. Maybe yeah, someday. <laughs> I'm sure I will. The 23rd, I will be playing in Winter Park at Oler's Dope. Tavern. I don't know anything about Steamboat or Winter Park, but that should be pretty fun. I'm excited. I think 
since July is going to be opening for us on those runs, uh, Lev. So we'll be rolling around with him again, me and Maddie. So come hang out with us. And then I'm going to be in Denver from the 24th to the 26th. So if you want to like go eat dank food or go rock climbing, I mean like go bouldering at a bouldering gym. Okay. I'm not, <laughs> look out everybody. Okay. I'm not Shane McConkie. Okay. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, if you want to hang out and eat dank food or do something fun that isn't hiking, hit me up. I'm not a hiker. I'm from Montana. I've done that. I've yeah. done that part of my life. I'm good. Boring. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. If I want to take a nap, give me a bed. Yeah. But you know, if you want to play some pool or something, hit me up. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that's my next couple months here. I'm just going to be kind of in the studio a lot in April, wrapping up a lot of things. And I'm really excited to say that I just signed my new EP, which is called Feed the Animals to Gravitas Recordings. Awesome. So we are working on that release right now. So I'll be dropping some singles and a new project with some new merch and some other fun stuff really shortly here. I'm really excited about this. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. Me too. All right, guys. We'll see you in a couple weeks.